We're here with Brad, the Madman Jay Flyer. The Madman Jay Flyer. What does that mean? Uh, I said the Madman Taylor. Welcome to Church and Other Drugs. Hey, I'm on the air. Yeah, call, uh, caller, you're on the air, and your <coughs> your quality is horrendous. Am I caller number two? You are. Wow. Are you on? Blue, are you on Bluetooth? No, I'm not. I'm using my headphones. Do you want me to switch to the uh, the main I the do. earpiece? I do. Let's see if it's. Hmm. Hello. <laughs> no, it's a little better. It's worse, it's better. huh? Is it a little? All right, a little better. <clears throat> I think. <clears throat> uh, clear my throat here. Yeah, thank you for that. You should have got all your coughs and sniffles out. So, Brad, well, listen, congregation, a tragedy has befallen one of yeah. our uh, one of our hosts. Brad, what? Won't you tell the con? It's not funny. It's not Should funny. I try to make it funny? I don't know. I just, mean, yeah, sure. Man. I don't. Well, this I you mean, don't have to try. It, it just just lay it out for the people. It's gonna. Yeah, people are gonna. They, you people are sick. Okay, first I want to say this because you're gonna laugh, and it's really a reflection on you as a person if you laugh at this. This is a tragedy. All right, so I'm a piece of. Uh, I'm a. Uh, Italian food uh, expediter, uh, delivery expediter. Courier. So that's courier. Courier. Courier, yes. I carry a special. I carry. I'm a pizza delivery guy. Everyone knows it. Or, it's or wait, wait. I'm an Italian food courier delivery specialist or a pizza delivery <laughs> guy if you want to be a dick about it. Yeah, if you want to be a dick about it, I'm, I, I work for the. Uh, Let's just say I work for Papa John's, okay? I'm a, it's out there now. Well, anyway, <clears throat> so it's the end of the night. I'm carrying around, I don't know, like $60 in ones on me. Fat stacks. And, uh, which which, is, so uh, which I, is total procedure to carry all of your cash on you. I just want everyone to know that when I tell this story, I don't want you to think that I followed procedure. Because I did not. There was a lot of... There's a chart. <laughs> and I didn't have the chart, all right? But, like, we have this chart in the... Uh, I'll tell you about the chart later. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so I'm going to this freaking apartment complex, and my manager, we had taken an order to go to this, this, this apartment complex, and um, another delivery driver had taken that order, but they weren't there. So we remade the order. They called back and we remade the order. They were like, hey, we're going to be waiting outside because we we don't want to miss him. And he was like, well, all right, well, make sure you're waiting outside because. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Because red he flag. Needs to see you. Uh, well, uh, that, right. It's a red flag. Wait, right? but I, <clears throat> I want the yeah. list, the, the congregation at home in your head, keep a tally of the red flags. That was number one. Okay. So I go to the apartment complex. Um, well, for, well, here's another red flag. I'll just give you this one. The first delivery driver that took it, he went to that, the, the house and he knocked on the door and they said, we didn't order any pizza. That would be so, number two. <laughs> so, right, right. So I, I, uh, oh. you know, yeah, I know. I, I don't know what I was thinking. So 
then I, I take, I get elected to take the order. It's like five minutes before we close. It's real routine. It feels routine to me, especially because my, my manager was like, don't worry, they're going to be waiting outside. I was like, well, that's convenient. This is like toward so, the, the end of your shift too, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, so dude, like, you like, stop so caring after a while. Yeah. It's just like. I was like, yeah, let's just get this over with. We'll get these people are going to stiff me. I'm thinking they're going to stiff me. That's what I, that's my worst case scenario in my mind. It didn't even cross my mind. So I go and I drive to the apartment. It's real dark. Okay, <laughs> there's these two like high school aged black kids. Okay, and I would say African Americans, but I'm pretty sure they were born and raised in America, so they're just black kids. All right, it's a little politics for you. African American is offensive now, Jed. It might be. I don't know. I think it is. Anyway, there were black kids, and uh, <clears throat> the reason I say that is because. You need to remember as many details as possible when the cops ask you <laughs> about who robbed you. So these kids, all right, so I, I pull the, I have the pizza. I'm like, hey, did you guys order any pizza? All right, this is red flag number two or three this because, three. actually, I think it's four because I'm, they're standing in like a dark stairway, you know, like looking real shady. Like they're just standing there waiting for me, which is, what we had planned. That's a weird thing. Okay, so like, I feel that, like it's two Papa John. Like because this, uh, on the receipt, it says, we will be looming in dark alleyway. Do not be dismayed. I swear <laughs> yeah. this is on the up and up. Uh, yeah. Bring My as much cash like, as possible. Send your most sure, feeble delivery guy. Yeah, make sure you're looming. Okay, because if you're not looming, I'm gonna, and this is what he told me before he left. He was like, hey, if they're not looming, then you just you just dip out. So it was like everything was like opposites, dude. He didn't say looming, but he was like, if they're not waiting outside for you, hey, just leave. And so I'm thinking, <laughs> when yeah, it should I mean, have if been, not, if they're waiting outside for you, the get the opposite. fuck out of there, dude. It's the opposite. That's the point. Yes, things were going, things were not on the up and up in this day, dude. And and honestly, I think it was a managerial error. To be quite honest with you, I'm just a lovely pizza delivery expediter. So anyway, red flag number four, we're at these guys. I, I, I walk up. They don't look happy. Okay, that's... Yeah, normally if, people are pretty stoked most, to see the pizza most, man. Most people are happy, you know, but I was like, hey, this is the second time we've been out here. I, and all, I, you know, and so anyways, it's these two young guys, like high school kids, man. One of them's real short. And one of them's like kind of my height, but he's maybe like six foot. Anyways, like maybe one forty or something. Real skinny, dude. So I hand the one guy the pizza, and I'm getting like PTSD just talking about it. Because as soon as I handed him the pizza, I was like, "Oh snap! This isn't. This doesn't seem right. These guys' clothing doesn't look like it has any spots for money." I, I don't know. It was just, just like, I just knew at that point, like, okay, they're, they're not going to pull out any money. Cause this guy was like, it's like he forgot where the gun was. I mean, what the, you know, I don't know. <laughs> started fumbling around like he's looking for the money, but then he was like, all right. So then he pulls this gun out and pulls it out to the side, kind of pulls it out away from me and he cocks it and he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it is. Yes. It is happening. You know, this is happening. I was like, okay, yeah. yeah. That and doesn't look remember, like any kind of dollar bill I've ever seen. 
that, that's not money. I will not take that. Okay. So, Are we doing sir, a barter a, system? You should have been like, I, oh, cool, dude. You're going to give me that gun for this pizza? Sweet deal, bro. <laughs> they already had the pizza. I gave them the pizza first. Uh, they already had it, dude. And I think they kept that. I think they carried that the whole way to their getaway vehicle. The pizza? Because, yeah, because uh, when we went, great. like... That's, that's kind of how I went down. That's how mine went down, too, man. They made sure... They, God, this is so uh, it's fucking. Pizza. Anyway, I'm sorry. Keep going. It's awful. <laughs> Make sure you get the pizza, dog. Yeah, dude. Like, if I, I mean, anyway. So you can't yeah, be robbing on an empty stomach. That's how you faint. Yeah. So uh, it would be funny if the guy was like already eating the chicken wings. <laughs> like, like he, he pulls the gun. I'm focused on the gun, right? Like, I look at his friend. No, and man, he already got the chicken. <laughs> He's like, yeah, man, dinner and a show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going there. Spicy hot. <laughs> anyway, but they were pretty amateur about it because they could have got everything that I well, had. What, I mean, so what'd they get? Well, they, they, they were like, yeah, it's going down. You know, I don't remember exactly. He didn't really say much. It was basically like, I want all of that. Come out your pocket. You know, it was, like, very unrehearsed. Like, he didn't give me good, clear instructions. But I already knew, like, yeah, hey, got, he probably got wants, the gist. Yeah, he wants my wallet. And and he and he was like, yeah, and give me your phone, too. And I was like, okay, yeah, here's the phone. What if, and I remember thinking, like, what if he would really, uh, What if he would have really, like, <laughs> flipped the script and he's like, your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Arnold? That would have been hilarious. Your clothes, so then he made your me get boots. down on the ground. He made me get down on the ground. I just want to get through this part. He made me get down on the ground. And then he, like, didn't really point the gun at me, but he was like, yeah. And there were no instructions. He was just like, get down on the ground. And then they just walked, like, casually away. Like, all right, we're, we're going to play it cool. They're playing it cool. Like, well, I don't know. <laughs> so they, like, walked around a corner, and I got up. And I started, uh running towards the, uh, I went to my car and I was like, yeah, I'm going to call the cops on these guys. And then I realized I didn't have my phone in it. And I just kind of started seeing red. I got pissed because I was so inconvenienced. Yeah. So I drove. Yeah. You had like your social, all that stuff in there. Yeah. So I drove to the, uh, middle of the complex, like towards the exit. And I saw these guys, and they just, like, it was like freaking Looney Tunes. They were, like, crouched behind a fucking mailbox. Two guys are crouched behind a mailbox just, like, hiding. And I'm parked. I'm, like, in the middle of the road when I could see them. And I see another guy, and I'm like, hey, man, call the cops. These two kids just robbed me. And I'm, like, pointing at them at gunpoint. You know, hey. They, it was really stupid. They could have just, like, started shooting at me. I mean, they probably didn't even have bullets in it. Because if I was them, I would at least, like, fired into the air or something. I well, don't know. or they had the wherewithal to, like, you know, if if I fire the gun, you just put it to level two. Right. Is that level two? Yeah. With, what's level three? Murder? Level, no, like... no. Level three is, like, you know, you winged him in the arm or shot him in the leg. Right, right. That's level three. All right, yeah. so he's like, yeah, I can still stroll out of here. I'm at level one. Yeah, there's, there's no he's noise. At one star, 
but if your if your grand theft auto, he's at one star right now. Yeah, he's not even at one. He's not even at one star. Yeah, okay? you're you're just you're just the civilian that's chasing him angrily that you can yeah, easily just, defeat. Yes, I'm just an easy. Yes, we're at zero stars. If he fires the gun, he's definitely gonna have one star. So the cops are gonna be on their way, or they're gonna forget about it like immediately. Which, dude, honestly, that game is very accurate. It's it's, it's just like anyway. So we're at zero stars, and um, I see these guys. I'm the so I get out of the car and I start following them through because they start strolling off. Like, okay, operation. Uh, pretend like this guy is not screaming and calling us gun robbers. <laughs> they just start strolling away, dude. It was just so crazy. So I start following them. You know, like I'm, I'm like, you know, trying to be like secret agent, dude. Like, like crouching behind the buildings and like following them so that I don't give them a line of sight to kill me. And I start closing in on them, and uh, then he pulled the gun back out, and he was like, "Man, get the fuck away from me," or whatever. He was like, "Hey, stop following me, buddy. I do have a gun, you know." So he he really had that trump card on me. The gun was like pretty much his ace in the hole. And so, you know, they drove off and uh, <clears throat> whatever. The next day, so then, oh, yeah, then I called the cops, right? I was like, hey, I've been robbed. They're like, don't worry, we're on the way. And they didn't arrest for two hours. The cops Ugh. did not show up to question me for two hours. There's nothing they can do. That's It's so... it. it... They might have been able to do something if they had responded, like, immediately i don't know my mine responded pretty fast well i i guess it was within oh let me tell you why they didn't respond okay because where the robbery occurred is um about 350 yards actually i'm looking at the distance now you can see the complex from the store you can literally walk out the front door and see it so i drove to papa john's because they have my phone and I needed to make the call. So they were like, don't worry, they're on the way. But when I called them an hour later, they were like, what? Well, yeah, I mean, but Papa John's is not in our jurisdiction. So you might have to go back to the complex because they can't go outside of their jurisdiction. I was like, it's a hundred, it's, it's 200 yards away. So it's 200 yards over the line. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah, we're not, we're not going over there. That's, Way, way out of our jurisdiction. It's like you need to call so, uh, call a Leibowitz over there in in, a, no, in, a, no, in District Two. Like, He'll help you yeah. out. No, because then like the person whose jurisdiction it was, he was like, yeah, 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 we can't come out over to you because the robbery happened over there, and so I mean, it really needs to go on their stat. And I'm like, oh, so it's a stat. So, so fuck me, right? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. So they arrived. Well. Two hours later, and then they were just kind of like, you know, they they didn't care. Like they were like, <laughs> they were like, so what happened? And then there no one's taking notes or anything, you know. And uh, they're like, so what apartment did they call you to? And this one, the, the this crack cop guy, he he, you know, he could tell he was like really like the rookie was like, he was like raring to go though. He was like, ah oh, yeah, oh, so I did not believe it was apartment uh, eleven thirty two. I was like, it was ten eighty five. Okay, he, he like spouted off the numbers really confidently, but they were all everything about it was wrong, you know. Ugh. And I was trying to explain. <laughs> this thing is funny too. I was trying to explain 
what the car looked like, okay? And this is how people are, okay? This is not just cops. This is people. They only know what they know. So I'm guilty of this, too. I'm trying to explain to him what the back end of this car looks like, right? All, now, keep in mind, all of these cops are driving chargers, okay? So I'm trying to explain what the back end of the car looks like. And he's like, yeah, so, uh, I mean, were the taillights like LEDs? Or were, I mean, what did they look like? And I was like, yeah, they weren't LEDs. And he was like, was it a new car or an old car? I was like, well, it was actually kind of an older car. He was like, come look at the back of my Charger. Was it a Charger? I'm like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> like, that's the only car you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> if it's not a Charger, I, there's nothing we can yeah. do. You know, it, it's, out of, it's out of my league, man. The fucking thing was, dude, it was just so biased towards Charger. Wait, you know, what's I, funny is he he probably said that because he's like, I bet that was Ricky and Jimmy. It's like two cops that just robbed pizza guys on their nights off. And he's like, because if it was old Ricky and Jimmy, we ain't doing nothing about it. I'm well, that's the thing. Like, it felt like to me that he was on to something. You know, like, oh. But he really, but he had no clue. He had no clue, and he was trying to. Why would they rob me in a charger? I don't right. know. Like they, like they're doing really well for themselves robbing pizza guys. It's well, hey, fun. maybe you know they got a cool hundo are, off you. These guys are killing it out here. I mean, I make more than a hundo, and I don't have a charger. You get what I'm? How many pizza be, guys are they robbing? Be on the every lookout night? for two teenage boys. They're considered armed with a sausage with extra cheese and and extremely <laughs> satisfied. If anyone has laughed. At all, they probably you have. Going to hell. They probably have greasy fingers uh, from yeah. the uh, extra cheese. Uh, <laughs> look for it. marinara sauce smeared across One the cheeks. Got, they got some wings. too. look for hot sauce all over his face. One of them was eating wings. One of them was eating That's wings. The, um, it could have been barbecue. Uh, just just to be safe, apprehend any boneless wings <laughs> operators because we know those are nuggets anyway. Yeah, um, Jeez, all so, right, well, so these cops fucked me. All right, it was the cops. That's not what I'm saying. But wait, the moral of the story is: at the end of the day, I ended up getting um, my somebody. They threw my wallet into uh, somebody's yard, and uh, this nice man found it and gave it back to me. And they didn't take any of my cards or anything, so I got everything back. And they threw my phone right on someone's doorstep, and it's it's fine. This, That's I, awesome. I'll, I want to give a shout out to Body Glove. They make a, a great phone case, discount phone case. You can see where they scuffed it. So, you know, they weren't like, here, I'm just going to place this. They down. chunked it. They chunked this bad boy, and it's fine. So, Body Glove, I can't, honestly, I can't, you know, recommend that enough. Um, and everyone, everything, really, I mean, all I got was now some PTSD. So, like, honestly. <laughs> Things aren't so bad, you know, because I really I didn't have to get another phone and all that stuff. So. Well, in, in all, I mean, joking aside, I'm I like I told you. I mean, I know we're making fun of it, but I'm super glad you're not hurt or injured, and that's pretty awesome. That really if sucks, I, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah, that happened to you. you know robbing, I've been there. Honestly, if I was the one robbing these guys, robbing me, I would have shot at me because <laughs> I would have been. Maybe I'm that's not what I'm saying. Cause, yeah, well, I, yeah, that's what I was saying. It's not like you're, uh, especially these days. You, you're, you're thook, dog. You're T H U C C, and you're, you're big. I'm like, thook. What does that mean? 
you're that thick, mean, like, you're thick. Yeah, you're not you're not scrawny. So it's, you so are I mean, an imposing that, physical figure. Yeah, I would think so too. You know. Yeah. But these guys, I feel like they kept they kept some distance between me. So it's like you know, if I get too close, they've always got the gun. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know that. Like I said, they had a real big ace in the hole. I I could have closed in on them and tackled. If they had not had that gun jet, it would have been on. Yeah. Had have special forces training. Yeah. I, I, I kind of keep That's going. What, I, I, I hate going that back. everybody you tell the story is like, well, dude, I would have grabbed him by the, you know, I would have judo <laughs> wrist locked him. I would have thrown <laughs> that guy into the second guy, grabbed his gun, shot him in the dick, and then that would have been it. Yeah, they you ever seen the rock? Money. That's what I do, like the rock does. You don't yeah. hit because he was within reaching distance. But the thing is, like, I'm, I was thinking, man, if I just had a gun, I could have murdered these high school kids. Yeah, exactly what I'm telling you. And, but, and that, and that would have been awesome, right? No. Well, no, even if dude. I had had a gun, dude, I don't think I would have murdered them. Yeah, like they I, got the drop on you. So then yeah, you would have, what, like had a shootout over yeah, fucking... Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, we would have gone, gone to two stars immediately. <laughs> no, dude, that would have brought in SWAT, I'm sure. That would have yeah. jumped up, you know. Yeah. Because I'm sure, I'm sure you were wearing your glasses and you would have been a crack shot because you're really, you're really, you know, you're really trained to handle close quarters combat shooting scenarios. Just like, jeez. Well, yeah. all right. Well, I love you, buddy. I'm glad you survived. We got to get to this interview, but. Everybody knows that. All right, yep, get to the interview. Get to the interview. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold my... I'll be back. I'm going to hang out and listen to this interview. All right, cut it. Cut it. All right, we're going to the next segment. Am I supposed to say hello? Yes, dude. Nobody can see you. Yeah, I don't... You did that last time, too. I'm here with Joe. Hello. Oh, hey, I'm Joe. So, we originally... We recorded an episode with Joe about a year... I guess it was... I think it was... my heart, man. All right, well, listen. Let me tell the story. So, it was about a year ago, um, and it was a phenomenal episode. So, uh... Joe, I know when I lived in Lakeland, Florida, he was the the student outreach pastor at the church I was going to at the time. I I lived with him during part of my addiction. Uh, it was just great. He's the surfer dude. Had a 
maybe I'll get him to retell the story if he'll do it, but um, had like a conversion experience after mushrooms and stuff. We recorded, it was awesome, and it totally got deleted. And <laughs> how upset were you, Joe? I I think it's been three years or something. I, you wanted me to redo it, and I'm like, no, I, that's a one take. I don't want to do it again. You, I was that was what hurt me. I was like, dude, I didn't do it on purpose. Like stuff happens, dude. I know I wasn't mad. It's just like you pour out your heart. It's kind of like preaching a sermon. I I like do it one time, and I don't want to redo it. I don't know. So. No, you were mad. Don't, let's <laughs> don't get it twisted. It's okay. We're all about honesty here. <laughs> frustrated. Frustrated. Um. So what do you so get what who are you man? Well, give me some background here. What oh, do you God. do? Um I, you know the older I get I open up I don't open up as well. So you got to ask me specific questions. Oh yeah, what do I do? I <laughs> lead <in> a, <clears throat> since you and I left each other about 10 years ago, I kind of gave up on church ministry. I was kind of over it and um I Started a nonprofit to help orphans in Mexico, Nicaragua, and now hopefully Colombia. It's called Unity for Orphans. I've done it for ten years now, and that's what I do. What uh, I don't even remember if I asked you about that, but what got you? I that's all we talk about is church burnout. So, like, what got you burnout on it? Was it burnout, or was it like there's a lot of BS here that I'm just not cool with, or? Um, the, yeah, the church I work for was, they're a great church, but I, I'd worked for a bunch of different churches before and, you know, God called me to ministry, but I, I don't know, it's weird. He, he calls you and you can't resist it. You try to resist it, but you feel miserable doing other stuff. Well, so I, I found myself in Florida. I'd given up surfing cause I was in the middle of the state. Well, let's, and, let, let's, let me actually stop you. I mean, you have, I'm just going to get you. I mean, give me like your journey from how you were raised to actually becoming a Christian and then jumping into ministry. Ooh, he's shaking his head. He's so upset. <laughs> it's a that's good story, dude. So let me tell you about how keeping your story to yourself is the most selfish thing you can do. I need coffee. Oh my gosh. You got, um, you got the Holy Spirit, bro. Just deal with it. Oh my gosh. Help me Lord. Oh man. Okay. I, Grew up Catholic. I was forced Catholic. The Catholic experience I had. Now, I've grown, and I I do believe many, 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 many Catholics, millions, are full-on Christians, okay, and and love Jesus. But the, the Catholicism I experienced was 100%—I'm almost 100% Italian, and we grew up Italian Catholic, and the, what I experienced was— you go to church on Sundays, you obey the rules, you get on your knees, you sit up, then you stand, and you're bored, and it's all rules, and God's far away, and if you break rules, he's mad at you, but somehow you're going to heaven, and he <laughs> doesn't talk to you, and he's hanging on a cross with his ribs sticking out, and you should feel guilty about it. And so I always thought God was mad at me um, since I was a kid, and um, and. I don't think my dad will ever hear this. My dad was always mad at me too. And and was I always he, was he actually mad at you? Or that was perceived? It was both. It was both. I mean, yeah. we grew up on a ranch and he we kinda had a hard I, I love my dad, totally respect him, my favorite guy in the world. Uh but he had a lot of work to do 
and um, he had that Italian kind of immigrant, you got to work because the money may run out. And I was with him working at a young age on the ranch when the horse, the horses and the cows got out and you had to fix fences and there's di- uh, ditches to dig and this Where and that. Where was that? It's near Yosemite up in NorCal. Yeah, Northern Cal. Okay. And then Santa Cruz is like my other home and with my mom's family and stuff. So I grew up like mountains and surfer. Like I'm kind of like a mountain guy and a surfer at the same time. And so anyway, that experience with my dad and my grandpa and everything's work translated into my perception of God. And then there's so much work to do in the Catholic Church um, to be right with God. You can't win. Like, so God was me. It's a lot of rules. I was a rule breaker and kind of crazy and didn't like to sit in my seat. So I was always in trouble. So I always felt rejected at a young age. And then I started hating myself. And that's when I started just being a crazy rebel when I could on the weekends. Um, But that was my experience. God, it's rules. He's far away and he's boring. And so I I also grew up in nature in the mountains and then the ocean and I experienced God through nature, and I'm like, this God that created this na- this beautiful nature is not the same God of the church, because the church is bad breath and boring and rude, <laughs> lofty, weird speech that makes no sense to my life. And so as I got older, in high school, I stopped having to go to church, because they forced me to go to church every Sunday and catechism and all that stuff. Started doing more football and kind of got away from church somehow. You know, I had football games on Friday, Saturday nights, and I found a way to get out of it. And I started getting into the drugs and the hedonism, which means pleasure seeking, the girls, the drugs, the stealing, every type of anarchy you can think of. Um, I did, and it was fun, you know. At so first, there was, there was no guilt. No, there was guilt at first. I, ah. I was actually guilt. I think one internally because God makes us knowing what's right and wrong. And and then also handed down from your parents and your church, this is what's right and wrong. And so at first, when I started cheating in school and started stealing, I mean, I felt that guilt. But God says in Romans, I think it's Romans 2, that the more you do something, eventually he hands you over to that sin. You become hardened. Yeah. And um, I actually became hardened to where I liked it, like stealing. And I got people, I had a fake ID when I was... At the time, back in a small town, this was a big deal. Oh, yeah, you were the man. I had a fake ID when I was 15. My buddy had all the weed, like really good green bud. And I would organize parties down by the river and and whoever's houses were empty. And I've always been a party thrower, gatherer. We would have 50 people, young kids getting off their heads. And um, I wanted to live for that. And I endorsed it. And then I was the the gateway person to lead people into this hedonistic way. And I thought God was on my side because it felt good. Hmm. You know, I felt more good. I felt more excitement doing that stuff than at church. But yeah, yeah. But, you know, sin seems sweet for a time and then it also eats you up and destroys you. So I, I remember many times in high school, I had the party, I had the girls, had the music, you know, had what do I, I was on the paper for football or baseball, or whatever, little small town star. But I was miserable. The hole got deeper and deeper. And I remember being suicidal in high school, just wanting to jump off bridges. And because there is something in my brain and, and my soul that was so empty. And I again, I thought I experienced God through the Catholic Church. And then I'm in the drug world and he's hedonistic world. And it didn't fill me either. I'm like, I, I want to just die. This is I'm miserable. 
But you'd never know that probably looking at me. Well, you've all, well, I kind of know because we also kind of bonded over uh, our, I guess, call it shared mental illness. Like you struggled with depression your whole life too, huh? Mm-hmm. I've always had a, a really melancholy spirit. Yeah, when I'm yeah. um, when I'm in a public setting, somehow the entertainer comes out and I'm jokey Smurf and I can speak and whatnot. But when I get alone, I get re- I really I'm better at it now. But I get really dark and heavy and. I don't know. I didn't know how to fix. I wasn't open to counseling. I didn't know what counselors were. That was for girls or whatever. That was what I thought. And so I had all this stuff trapped in me. I would journal a lot, write poetry and just trying to get it out. And uh, music like Jim Morrison and the doors and all Jimi Hendrix and all that stuff was my, um, the cure. All that stuff was kind of like my poets, my prophets, kind of my religion mixed with the party. and, And that grows empty too. And you got really into uh, psychedelic mushrooms too, huh? Yeah, I um, in high school because I still live with my parents, and I was always in sports and school. You know, had to do good in school. I, it was restrained, but then once I went to college, I played baseball. Um, used to be a really good baseball player, but um, oh wait, are you the Joe Brandy from the? <laughs> so I played two years of college ball and lost my love for the game and quit. And when I quit, <clears throat> cause I, I grew up playing since I was five and I quit when I was like 20 or something. And that put me in an existential funk and, and no restraint. Cause when you're in baseball, you're there doing it five days a week on the weekend. So once I didn't have that dude, it was yeah. on I, like identity dump. crisis. And, and then I, I, I met some, I always knew people and I, I started selling some weed, you know, in college. And I'm like, wow, this is really easy. And then, um, I took my first mushroom experience. Um, well, I actually did that one time in my senior year at a Lollapalooza a long time ago. And that was a crazy experience. And then I started doing that in college and I saw things like Alice in Wonderland and like stuff in Chronicles of Narnia and Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is truly the pathway to God and true spirituality. Yep. And I was really into California um, Indian stuff, like living off the land, really respected nature. And I was very anti-Western gods because, again, the Catholic Church was so boring. And the Protestant churches were a bunch of nerds that tucked in their shirts and had <laughs> short hair and always smiled and whatever. So um, <clears throat> I thought this was the pathway true spirituality to the divine and i would go out in nature and just trip balls for like six seven hours and thought rocks were speaking to me and trees were speaking to me and i think they were in some sense yeah and then i would get all the same thing i was a party gatherer i'd get i'd get people out in nature like 10 15 people having mushroom experiences out in san luis obispo during college um and then uh, I think it was after my second year in college or first year, I had a bad trip. And um, that really, God started to awaken me towards himself after that bad trip. Do you, do you think that you were having spiritual encounters on mushrooms? Do you think, because I have, we and we've talked to someone uh, recently, I've got a buddy who that's how... And I get I, I I might be misquoting, but I think that's how he like has encounters with the Christian God is like through uh like yearly trips. Um 
I mean, what do you think about like what do you think about your experiences now looking back on it? Like do yeah. you think do you think it's possible? Um I don't know, just what what do you think about psychedelics and Christianity and spirituality and paths to God and is is it just chemicals in the brain or is it actually something spiritual going on? I've obviously got my own opinions on it, but I yeah, want to hear yours. Question. I, I, I'll always say this preface when I speak that I haven't read PhDs in sociology and psychology, uh, neurology and stuff. I haven't read all that stuff. But from my experience, <clears throat> um, but I do have a master's, so I should know something. Um, I do think you experience something spiritually. I don't think it's just in your brain. Totally. However, okay, well, let me go back. When I was first on mushrooms in high school, I think I was on acid and mushrooms at the same time. And I, I had such a bad trip at Lollapalooza cause I wasn't in nature and I think ministry was playing and all these people were in a mosh. <laughs> oh yeah. God. I couldn't escape and I lost my friend and I, I closed my eyes and I want, went on an internal trip mm-hmm. and I don't know all the, the language now what drug people use, but I, I went on an internal trip for, I don't know how long it was. And I went to such dark, scary, red, dark, metallic, empty places. I, I met the devil there. I felt the presence of evil so much. It like annihilated me. Like it was, it was wrapped around me like um, a cocoon, a big, like when Frodo gets with that big spider and he can't yeah. get out and he's dying. It felt like that. And I would run around in, in this labyrinth of my mind and so on. I couldn't escape like the presence of evil. It was so horrifying and I felt so far from any God of light. And then somehow I opened my eyes and my buddy and I got out of there, but I was like, dude, that was, that was really dark. And I doesn't make sense, but there was a devil that was real. Then back. Okay. Once I started doing mushrooms in nature in college, I only had good experiences. And that was when God, I'm not, I'm going to finish this, you know, no, yeah, I'm not go ahead. putting, you know, pro mushrooms. But at the time, that's when I really realized God was real because he showed me there's another realm beyond work, beyond rationality, beyond whatever. It was just me and nature. And it was, it was, there's another realm out there. And yeah, you know, a scientist could study the synapses in my brain, the neurology and go, this is what's happening chemically. But no, they still don't know. I was tapped into something different. Yeah. And they don't know. California Indians worship the tree God and the sun God, because they'd take these peyote trances and these spirits. I don't, I'm not saying there's a tree spirit, but I believe, you know, demonic spirits in a sense were revealing themselves as angels of light and taking them away from the true Christ. Okay. So I thought that was what God wanted me to do. And then I found myself a year later after I have a tattoo of mushrooms on my shoulder. I believed in them that much. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, dude. And so then I had this bad trip at night where I saw demons all night. The, the trees took the shape of demons, anthropomorphism. I shook my head. I put my hands in front of me. They still were there. And I nearly went crazy. I lost the ability to think rational thoughts and I was all alone and it sounds weird, but I almost wanted to claw. I almost, I remember wanting to take my hands inside my skull and rip myself out trying to, I couldn't get out cause I was mm-hmm. getting the trip and I almost went, I felt like I was going to go crazy. 
And then um, I laid down on a picnic bench. It was up in the mountains, up a mountain, like, I don't know what, 8,000-foot 8, elevation. And I looked up at the stars, and the heavens declared the glory of God. And all this stuff was swirling around me, and I was out of control. And I looked up at these stars, and God whispered to himself that I'm here. I'm a God of light. I'm bigger and better than these gods of darkness. You've been serving the God of darkness. Give your life to me. In some sense, and I looked up at those stars and like these weird angelic light spirits came to me all night, didn't close my eyes till five in the morning, heard the first bird in the morning. And I'm like, God, I got to get right with you because I know I'm going to hell. I know I've been serving my flesh. It's been serving myself. And I started going back to Catholic Church, which didn't do it for me. And then I met some Protestant Christian. They invited me to church. And then I experienced this love and joy in the community that drugs and sex and all stuff couldn't bring. And I'm all, oh my gosh. And then they gave me a Bible. I never read the Bible. And I didn't do it quickly. It took me six months. But I read that whole New Testament in like a month, asked every question. I slowly encountered Jesus through that. And now looking back, I do think um, that drugs, you know, God can reveal something about spirituality through it because he can use all things for the good. But it's a gateway to wrong gods. Just like yeah, if you that's where I'm at. Just like if you worship aliens, like whether aliens exist or not, you know, um, people start thinking of aliens and then they're not thinking of Christ, you know, or they start wanting the sensation of what this drug gives and they don't. Christ isn't enough. That that's what's so funny to me and so universal. And I don't think people really recognize it is that um, drugs, celebrity, UFOs, aliens, it's like everyone, um, people that use Darwinism and science as as their. God, it's like they want to find everybody's got this innate need that they look to fill and they'll find alternatives to oftentimes what they were raised with or whatever. And it's like they want to find this mystery and this religion, basically. I mean, they're all they all have their own rites and rituals and leaders and everything. And it's it's just so funny that name your area of focus in life and like people have that need to worship and that's what it all it's so when i get speaking like Lollapalooza, whenever i go to like big festival concerts it just amazes me just the thousands i'll just like take a moment and step back and look at the thousands of people just throwing their eyes and hands to like the one the band on stage or the one person it's just like we really really do like worshiping things like that's in we love it, man. Yeah, um, we're built for it. So fast forward um, to the important things. When I came into your life, that's when you know we'll Everything. call this uh, one JP, which <laughs> you know. Everything <laughs> um, <laughs> completed me, bro. Yeah. Um, um. So my parents quickly. My parents moved to Lakeland, Florida. Uh, they tried to move me there in one of many attempts for me to get sober. And they're like, Hey, this guy, Joe Brandy is leading our church. Um, you can move in with him, you know, da, 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 da. Um, so that's kind of what happened. That's how I met you. And they told me about your past. Um, and I moved in with you. Wasn't really able to stay sober. Um, that's also where we discovered our, our shared love of movies. But I thought it would be interesting. Like, what were your impressions of me at that time? 
Yeah, I mean, you looked like you look, good-looking cat. You know, I remember you had short hair and super friendly, and the way your parents describe. I mean, your mom is so sweet. She's just she like is. shout and, out Miriam. Yeah, I love her, and um, I like your dad too, but I love her. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I expected to see somebody with fangs or something, or just you to be all like emaciated and ugly because you've been using for so long, but. You look like just a normal. I was a college pastor, so you just look like a normal college kid to me. Super right. friendly. You knew how to be. You knew how to be friendly and and charming. And so it was like this weird. Uh, you had two selves. Yeah. It's public self. You're writing Bible study and college group, and then I was like, really, is it really that bad? And then when I saw your bad stuff, I'm like, yeah, uh, this is did, bad. Did yeah. I tell you about the time like I almost died in your house? No, not in my house. Yeah, I guess you never. When I was you, there, when, you yeah, y'all were sleeping. Um, no, I don't remember that. Do you do you remember waking? So I had like a little mattress pushed in like the laundry room. Oh, okay. Do you, do you remember one day waking up and I'd been like throwing up? Yes. You do. Yeah. yeah. And I had that big like tub full of vomit or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I had um. To this day, I'm not really clear on exactly what happened. It, it, either it was like I had a bad reaction to the, the heroin or there was something in the heroin or there was some kind of bacteria or something, but I um, I shot up and I went to sleep and I woke up. Um, never had an experience like this in my life, but I was just uncontrollably vomiting and it felt like my entire inside was trying to come out and like i remember trying to speak like because i was like oh i need like help like i need like to go to the hospital or something and i remember trying to like vocalize and it was just like <gasps> and then i just ended up i guess go like passing out or whatever dude and i think i remember hearing you at night or seeing it and and guys never think it's as bad as it is like no, i was drunk or i right. think i th you had drank that night and we're just throwing up and I don't know. I was tired. <laughs> oh yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. Of course I wouldn't have expected it. Yeah. I just, I, I forgot about that night. That was, um, yeah, man. So then, um, I, I moved away. Go but, ahead. But yeah, I don't have much to say except for you. You kind of changed my perception of like, heroin users i mean I, i'd seen stuff on the movies I, ne I never liked needles so i never had i was never friends with people that were into that but you just had this you were just a normal i mean above normal you have a lot of talent to you uh, i mean you're charming good looking you're very sociable and then you had this just dark addictive self-destructive stuff that would happen to you and we'd be good we'd be good or you'd be good you'd be good and then all of a sudden you'd be just jacked up and just right. did yeah. beyond rationality. And I couldn't help you and I didn't know what to do. And it, I mean, me and your mom and stuff were just praying for you. Like, man, I hope he doesn't die. And I, I just didn't know what to do, you know? And then they, they would give you things and scooters and this and that and trying to pay, yeah. trying to do something good. And you're a master manipulator. And yeah. I mean, and, and then they'd get burned again by you and, yeah, that, that was that was just the roughest the roughest time. So that was when, so we separated, and then the we kept in touch. And the next time I heard from you, that's when you had started that ministry. Okay. 
so tell me about that. So how did that come to pass? Okay, yeah. And that's kind of going to segue into our, our new exciting venture. Hi. So I think it, it was one of the earlier questions you asked me at this, this podcast um, with the church stuff. I yeah. love God's church, but I also sometimes it makes me throw up, you know, the human side of it. Yes. Because once, you, once you're on staff at a church or you get super involved, you just see people's sin and the humanity of it. And I add to it and other people add to it. And um, you hurt each other. And there's money involved and things need to get done or you think things need to get done. And certain people want things done a certain way and it becomes just like a business. It just mm-hmm. becomes just like any other job, at least from my perception, than every other's. And I got disillusioned by it. There's so much power dynamic, especially I was in the South and I was in Florida, but it's like the South, right? It's right below Georgia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Florida Southern is is there. And there's just old school white boy like shenanigans man even part of the presbyterian church is started by a bunch of white people and you know where the clan was not to say they're all clan people but there's just some deep beauty but some deep brokenness and Mm -hmm. at presbytery because i'm from california and i was trying to get ordained and i just felt so on the outside and even within that church and other churches too i felt so on the outside um some of that's me, but some of that is the, the substructures of the church culture. And um, it it hurt. Like you try to be too long. They say open up and you open up and then they use that stuff against you. You know, yeah. it's been a sensitive, emotional, eccentric dude. Um, and the, the interpersonal stuff and the power dynamics at church, any church, just is so thick and it ended up destroying me. And then I also, in, in their defense... They wanted people that want to stay in Lakeland for their life. And I'm a California surfer that missed the ocean. And I love the people. Some of them, my favorite people are in Lakeland till this day. And I want to go back. But I wasn't met for there. And it was time to go. And um, and then my best friend got involved with world orphans. And he asked me this question, how many of their orphans, how many orphans are there in the world? And I'd never even seen one except for on TV. You know, those guilt, you know, uh, commercials. Yeah, for, for one penny a day flies on the stomach and stuff. Yeah. And I said, I don't know, 500,000 or something. He's like, bro, there's like 143 million. And I'm like, that didn't motivate me because it felt so big. And I still didn't believe him, but it was by UNICEF. And then, um, I saw the movie Slumdog Millionaire. I didn't, I was just trying to get out of the heat. I thought it was some dumb musical. Uh, I was by myself and it was in Lakeland and I went to see Slumdog Millionaire and it's the story of these three little orphan kids in India lose their parents and this beautiful little girl. I have a heart for – I have a sister and I always have a heart for protecting women, uh, vulnerable women. And this beautiful little girl becomes a prostitute because she's an orphan. And I just felt God's hand speaking to me. I'm all, oh, no way. You know, like you – because normally when you work in a nonprofit mm. world, you have to get – you have to raise your own money. Uh <laughs> But he spoke to me so thick, and I felt like there was a force field over me, like I couldn't escape his will. will. And then, I, I don't know, bro, if it was a month after that, I, I had all this discomfort uh, somewhere, and I went to the doctor, and I found out I had testicular cancer. And, um, and I thought it was way before, because I thought you had that when I met you. I don't, bro, it's, everything's blurry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. And we went through that together, like I had that. But I we forgot were about that, too. yeah. Something. And then, um, and so I went through that and, and God basically said, 
you know what? Death is a very thin line. And um, I've saved you a bunch of other times, which are other stories. And do you want to line your heart with mine for the broken and the poor of this world? Or are you going to try to chase the American dream of owning the house? Because I'd owned a sick house and was getting paid a good salary for that area because it's a white collar church. And I felt I was supposed to let go of the material world in a sense and step into this venture. And then after that, I went to Kenya and met real orphan children and the vulnerable walked in the slums. And I had this second regeneration type experience where I felt my heart get ripped out and give to these kids. And I was going to be an ambassador for them the rest of my life. So wow, dude, that was when I stepped out into that venture. Like it's so that's funny. Um, the formative power of we really respond to movies, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, Speak to me through that movie. Yeah. So, how did it go at first? I mean, because you know, like, yeah, yeah, like losing. That's. I mean, on a much smaller scale. Uh, that's sort of what I'm going through in my life. I I feel like I'm doing what God has called me to do, and you know much less money, much more difficult, much more taxing on the soul. And in having those moments of like, God, I thought this is what you wanted me to do. I need you to sustain me right here. You know, I've been going through, it's just tough, man. It's, it's, it's hard. Um, and, and the, the constant temptation to, to be like, especially having friends that you see just making money and and doing the quote American dream. And sometimes you just want to be like, F this dude. Like, I just want to go, I'm just going to go sell out and make some money. Even though I know I've been there. It's like, there's no happiness there, but it's tough. So I kind of want to hear about like, how has it been? Has it been fulfilling? Have you seen success? Has it been tough? Cause you started your own thing. Unity for orphans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First, I worked for a, another company, World Orphans, and kind of learned stuff, and then I stepped out on my own. But it has been so hard, so rewarding, but so hard. And finally, after 10 years, I feel like I have a good board. We're bringing in some stable money. Um, we're making a lot of impact. But, bro, it's been it's been like that movie, Catch Me If You Can, where Christopher Walken's giving that speech about a mouse is the mouse. in the middle. Two mouse uh, falls yeah, yeah. In, in the cheeks. Yeah, and he's, that was a bad Christopher Walken. He he turns it into butter, you know, and I'm like, it was a mouse. You know, you know, I feel like I've scratched and clawed, you know, for survival because orphans can't pay you money, and you have to do at least where I'm at. In order to serve them, you have to ask people and humble yourself to get paid, and then to get money for them, you know, so they can eat and go to school and all that kind of stuff. So, it what has happened? It's been meaningful, but. I've had to learn how to run a business and I didn't know that. Ugh. So it's, it's a lot of business cause you're, there's Excel spreadsheets and fundraising and you have to do stuff by the letter of the law. So it's not all glamorous. It's not all just hugging babies and leading trips. I've had to mature a lot and become a business guy, which I'm glad for that. Cause now I appreciate the business person that goes to church that's tired, you know, and like maybe yeah. they go to church and they do one thing. I'm like, aren't they do, why don't they do more? But as I've gotten older and done that, it, it's it's um, it's been meaningful, but it's been difficult. And I've had to reinvent myself a bunch of different ways along the journey. What you always so, yeah. And I, I think I've, I've touched on this. I mean, I, I've been I don't know. I guess reinvents a good word or 
deconstruct has always been tossed around, but I, I've really only, not only, but this time, you know, in my, when I finally got sober is when I also started finally really, really caring about my faith and trying to figure out what I, what I believe and like, you know, swallow the meat and spit out the bone. And, um, oftentimes, dude, I just get more, more and more questions than I do answers. Um, and you know, God just feels, sometimes God feels super close. I feel like I've been in a season to use that terminology, man, for at least the past five or six months with, with moments of, of respite, but just really feeling like uh, it's a lot going on faith is what I've been having to do, man. It's like the, my first year of sobriety, my first two years, really, it's like God really threw me some bones and like, really like, let me know that he was there and everything's cool and this is what you should do. And then, uh, here late, man, it's just been a lot of quiet. Do you trust me? Um, Mm. you know, Prayer life has been weird lately. It's you know, life gets real lifey. Yeah. Well, you know, we we wanted to talk about the movie The Silence someday with Scorsese. It's, it, and it's I, just silence. It's silent. I sorry, silence. Um, bro, I think as we get older, the walk of faith. It says, I think somewhere, Paul says it's an endurance race, and you and I are feelers, and we're into fantasy and movie. Yeah. We were both drug addicts in a sense. Um, yeah. Well, I was not as much as you, but I was into that. And it is a long-term endurance race, and that's kind of what I've learned. And, you know, obedience and endurance and long-suffering, and it's not always glamorous, and God seems hidden and silent, but you know he's good, and you know he's there. I mean... So it's like the question I was kind of dancing around was to not put you on a lofty thing, but it's like even... Sometimes I need to hear that, like, even this guy who runs his own orphanage ministry, yeah. like, y- you can still tell me that, like, yeah, dude, like, sometimes I don't feel that close to God. I don't feel close to God all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that's so, but that's, so how do you cope with that? That's me, though. He, I, it's not his fault. It's my fault. And, but don't you, yeah, I feel that too. And then some, well, it's funny. I'm going to say this and he has done it, but sometimes I'm just like, Look, God, like I know it's me, but I need you to be God for a second and just punch through this bullshit. Like, yes. because I can't, I can't, I can't yeah. take it no more. Subjectively, give me an existential fruition <laughs> of you or a feeling that helps transcend through all the monotony and mundane stuff of work and get totally. up and blah, blah, blah. So See, you, you get it. <laughs> I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not one of these smiley, everything's great. I, <laughs> Which I love about you, man. Yeah, yeah. I get hated on in the church a little bit sometimes. But um, yeah, bro, I think that's part of the fallen world is that there's thorns and thistles in Genesis and there's sweat of the brow. And I think because of the Joel Olstein culture and the positive you know, thinking culture, which I think there's a lot good. I need to be way more positive. But not everything's smiley. Not everything – you know, and it's difficult. I mean, dude, Bonhoeffer was, I think that guy was killed by standing up against the Nazis and there's martyrs and, you know, there's poor, I do some of the people I serve in Nicaragua right now, this, there's a dictator in Nicaragua that's killing Nicaraguans. You know, he's killing them like he's maybe three, 400 still, he's killing three or 400 people. It's not like Hitler, 
but these these churches can't feed their people. Like they're in the revel. We when's the end of the world going to come? The tribulation. They're in tribulation right now. Like what? What are they feeling about God? You know. So I think it's the problem of evil, and and the fallen world with the mundane structures of of not feeling God and this and that. But we don't give up. You know, we don't give up. We endure. Yeah. Yep. Well, and so this will kind of segue. So what me and Joe have decided to do is um, we're still fleshing out what it's going to look like, but we are starting a a new podcast. Um, also in uh, video form is the plan. Um, we recorded one episode that I'm going to release on Church and Other Drugs' feed this week, so you can kind of get a little feel for it, but we're going to do... Um, movie reviews, which usually is going to segue into, you know, philosophies as a springboard into, um, talking about movies and how it relates to our life and what we got out of it and, um, try to use it as, uh, awareness, possibly fundraising for unity for orphans. Nice. Would you say that's fair? That's, that's kind of the, the goal. Perfect. Having fun talking about what we're passionate about, and then hopefully, for me, hopefully it grows your podcast, which is awesome. How many followers do you have now or subscribers? Uh, it varies. We get about like 700 to 1,000 downloads an episode. Amazing. I mean, that's more than when you started, right? So Yeah. And then I'm hoping, because yeah. sometimes the orphan stuff, it's so serious. Like, I'm always asking people for money or always – Hey, come on a trip to visit, you know, the kids. I do it twice a month for the past eight years. And I think I need to not be afraid of people being critical and judgmental and just be myself and let this kind of whatever, this other side of me out. And maybe somebody will go, hey, I want to give or I want to know more about uni or I want to go on a trip. And it could be a different angle that people get intrigued by it. Sure. What kind of criticism do you get? Well... Um, whenever you're, you speak, you know, when one reason I don't like to preach is cause I think some of it's the negative voice in my head because I, I think it's a big part. I'm our own worst enemy, but, uh, every time you preach, there's people that are, yeah, yeah, that was great. And there's always a couple haters that, you know what? Your joke was too sarcastic or you, oh, dude. you spoke too long or whatever. And I'm like, dude, I poured my heart out. Do you have to like come at me like your Siskel and Ebert or whatever and critique me. And um, it caused me to not want to speak out anymore. I've realized, bro, like I've lost my voice to speak because I'm afraid. Wow. I'm, t- I'm very sensitive. I'm tired of haters. There's not that many, but it's just 20 years of ministry. It's accumulated. And I, I'm tired of fights and divisions and church splits. And cr- everybody has so many opinions in, in America. And I'd just rather not say anything. So this is for me, even though it seems a jovial thing we're going to do. It's like, I'm afraid of what somebody's going to type up on a blog because I spoke about mushrooms. Well, I'd rather just not say anything, but now I think you're giving me more courage to go for it. Yeah, that's, it's definitely, I've definitely had that fear, um, from the outset. We definitely thought we were going to have a lot more pushback and we've gotten a few and we do get some critical emails but it's kind of it, it's. Can you really get mad at authenticity? Like it's it's not like I'm you know it'd be one it'd be a different thing if I'm really just saying a bunch of stuff 
that didn't happen to me, but essentially you're just saying like, (laughs) if you're criticizing it, it's like the things that happen in your life, I just disagree with. It's like, well, I mean, okay. I mean, it happened, you know, why don't I, I feel like more openness is, could be a a huge solution and cure all to a lot of what's going on in the world. And that's some things that AA has gotten right that I think the church needs to adopt. I've said that a million times. Um, But it's, you know, it's tough and this is a good way to, it is a good way to practice it, man. And we both love movies. That's, that's the shared love there. And they're so, that's, I'm just such a, like you said, I'm such a escapist, um, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Um, but there's so much in movies that, uh, you can learn from. I mean, it's modern day mythology. Yeah. Um, two things you talked about, transparency, vulnerability, and then also just the love for movies. I was thinking about you, um, I'm in Colombia. I was in Colombia, met in Colombia for 30 days studying Spanish and, and whatnot. And, um, <laughs> it's funny. I'd watched Narcos with Pablo Escobar, who's been dead for like 20 years, but I was still afraid to go. And it's a great, great city. If you have any questions, you know, anybody else about going there, it's great. Um, but I talked to so many people and they all love Netflix, like everywhere. Everybody's <laughs> it's a uni- the universal language of movies. And you're able to, c- I was able to bond about movies with all these people that I barely spoke their language. Oh, that's, cool. That's the modern day, like you said, mythology or story. And C.S. Lewis said something about how story, God uses story and fantasy to, um, th- because there's this echo in our soul of another world. You know, I believe yeah. it's heaven, but we all want to get caught up in, in a story and we want to think our life. Our life is a story, but we want, are we the hero? You know, are we the villain? Are we the conflict resolution? And I think when you're just zoned out watching a movie or reading a book, I don't really read anymore except the Bible, which I need to read more of that too, is there's just something about narrative and the meta narrative that God has made us for story. He's made yeah. For story. It's how we learn. Yeah. It's, it, it truly is how we learn. Um, yeah. Oh crap. I was going to say something. No, okay. And then. The vulnerability part, there's this lady called, I think her name's Brene Brown, and she's a TED Talk, PhD, psychologist or educator, and she um, speaks a lot about vulnerability and transparency, and she she teaches like, I don't know, like coaches people from Apple and huge companies, and she's saying that the number one thing we could do is be vulnerable and authentic and that breaks down everything. And the haters are going to hate, bye, 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 but be authentic and real. And I think yep. that you being stepping out, now you have all these you know, subscribers and followers and open up your heart and me too. Um, we're going to make new friends. you know, And, and maybe totally. those people aren't going to feel as alone. Um, yeah. And so you know, the first uh, few episodes, we're probably going to be playing around with formats and seeing – how exactly we're going to do it. But like I said, we're going to drop the first unofficial episode. We're still working on a title. Um, send a, email me some suggestions. I'd kind of be interested to hear what y'all Jet think. Jed and Joe go to the movies. Jed and Joe go to the movies. Um, movie orphan house. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. Horrible. Uh, um, using on movies. Anyway, real quick. Uh, in case if somebody even listens, to all this, I'm not endorsing 
eating mushrooms as a oh yeah they're well spirituality. aware you know what's really popular now it's this called stuff called ayahuasca or have you what's it called? yeah dmt yeah but what else it's called is that what it yeah ayahuasca okay that's, that's just so what ayahuasca is so quick science lesson mm-hmm. so dmt uh smokable your body um it needs in MAOI inhibitor for it to be orally bioactive. So what this is in the jungles, there's a root um, that they cut and they combine a naturally occurring MAOI into it and they form it into a tea and that makes it drinkable and it lasts like 16 hours. And it's, yeah, it's become super, they have um, DMT tourism in um, South America now. It's what's really interesting too is that all around the world or where people are taking DMT, there have been reports of everyone seeing uh, or having experiences with the same, this female deity that everyone was seeing, which was pretty interesting. Yeah, like separate, isolated incidents and everybody's reporting the same thing, which is pretty, they call it Mother Ayahuasca. Um, I don't know, interesting stuff, scary stuff. Yeah, I've met a few people now that have done it and... They only have hard, I think, hard good things to say, um, but I challenge that, and I think it's just a new way to try to find some spirituality apart from Jesus. And, yeah, no, totally. You know, uh, but anyway, I'm just yeah. not saying I endorse that, but God did use it um, in my life before I was a Christian, and uh, actually, I'll get real transparent here. <laughs> I've been a, walking with Jesus for... Um, I think 20, 23 years, and it's these are whole other stories. But I've been like stoned twice in in that time, um, and w- twice were by accident, and that's a whole other story. I ate cookies, but I, it's so funny. And uh, but I've never felt more like this is when I was stone stoned. I've never felt farther from God in my life post Christian, because I huh. you know you flirt around. It's legal. Is it okay? But I think one taking a puff is different than being stoned. You know, it's like drinking a beer versus drinking five beers. That's a whole nother issue. We can, I want, I, we should talk about. Sure. But when I was sure. stoned, I felt so far from the presence of God, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not messing with this at all. You know. But yeah. I think a whole nother podcast. Totally. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll let you go. So everybody, check out um, the episode. I'm going to release separately. Uh, let us know what you think, and be looking for. Um, for more we'll we'll release it on a new um a new channel a new rss feed so everybody will i'll i'll be reminding you about it and i will force you to subscribe and like it so thanks for that all right joe we'll talk to you later it's over now if i had my way i would leave you here to waste your final days Oh, please rest assured This was not my fault And time is getting short So I'll be here if you want me
I was made a, I was made a ward of the state. We were, well, that, that's our signal that we're back. We're back. What were you well, saying about, um, I, I was, Brad was talking to me about our, uh, the new movie podcast venture and, uh, Joe's working with Unity for Orphans and you're saying what, that you were a ward of the state? I was made a ward of the state, man. Yeah. When was that? So I was, I was technically an orphan. When? You know, uh, when I was like 16 or 15. For how long? Uh, from the time I was 15 forever. It's a, it's a one-time thing. For me, I was, you know, until I became an adult, I was basically like, you know, I was in the, the custody of the state. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, you didn't know that? But you lived with your mom. Like, yeah, but I was still a ward of the state. Weird. So, like, at yeah. any, any time, that, how does, how? Well, they made me a ward of the state, and then they just could do whatever they wanted to me. You know, so, like, even though I might have been staying with my mom, like, I was still, like, a ward of the state. And that was just because, and she did that because incorrigibility was the thing? Because I was incorrigible. (laughs) Because, to her defense, (laughs) you were just out of control. They they diagnosed me with oppositional defiant disorder. disorder. It's a badass-sounding disorder, but in truth, it's pretty lame to have it. You don't want this disorder. And I still have it. Like, basically, it showed up in this robbery. I was being defiant. I started chasing them. Most people wouldn't do that, Jed. It's not because I'm brave. It's because I have a disorder. <laughs> you should that have yelled it. that as you were chasing them. You think, you, you, think you, can, you can steal from me? I have oppositional <laughs> defiant disorder. You're the opposition. Yeah. I will defy you. Do not oppose you. me. Yeah. Do not oppose me. <laughs> I am defying you. I chased them down the street, dude. They got in the car and I was on foot in the middle of the road. What, and then you found out. Then you found out how woefully out of shape you are. I was so out of shape, bro. I was on E. I was on E. So I was it, like, I can't. Bad, so in the, in the race for your life, you failed. Like, yeah, I was like, "Where's this? This is like that's the thing, dude. This was the max I had. Even it was the max. Even if <laughs> even if it was like reversed and they were chasing you with a gun, that, like yeah. you still would have been like, I just, I just that's, that's I all I had. I this is it. This is all I got. I'm gonna I die got, here. Got, like, I'm sorry, Annabella. I got about a hundred yards of of like fast jogging. <laughs> I, I want to see. Dude. I really want to go to like the apartment complex and pull the video. Of the, did you Did you find out if there was like cameras anywhere around you? No, there's no cameras. Oh, of course not. There never is, unless it, you know, unless you're I committing can, the crime. Unless you're yeah. committing the crime, or like getting hit in the balls or something, like then they can replay the footage and put it on ridiculousness. But but when they need it for when you get robbed, there's no cameras to be found. Oh Lord, have mercy! I'm gonna. I'm, it's gonna be funny if one day you're watching ridiculousness and and you see the video of you getting robbed, like from their perspective. It's just like, and yeah. then Rob Deerdick's like, hey. "Look at this goofy! I'm delivering pizza!" Uh, boo, 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 boo. 
Look at hey, it's D and J boy. We out here robbing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get a dumbass piece of man. Yeah, the thing is, dude, this is the thing. They called another guy out there, so it could have been him. But it was he. Do you think they saw was, him and they're like, "Nah, I ain't messing with him." Well, no, because the thing is, this guy was shorter. This guy is like five ten, one hundred and twelve pounds. So I don't know why they didn't. I think they thought, hey. This is. I think this was like their first robbery because they were like, "Look, we maybe we'll find someone easier to rob next. Perhaps a woman." And then, like, you know, they got me, and I'm. I I don't think that I would be the easier target, but I could. I don't know. I could be wrong. You know, maybe he looked like he had done some cardio, and they were like, "I don't want somebody who looks like he could run." This guy is. I don't know. That's true because you could have immediately just pulled the like run yeah you could just run but i don't know man, though ain't nobody want to get shot in the back yeah <clears throat> no i, I mean know, i've dude. been there dude it's like that's what i'm saying like in order to react in a good way you have to like practice that scenario so many times because it's just like you know parts of your brain turn off when that shit happens oh, yeah. and you're just like wait what and it's so fast that unless you yeah, just well, I mean, they got gut the instinct, just be like, I'm going to defend myself, then it's just like, then you're just, it's too late. Well, well, I mean, that's the thing, though. It's a, it's an agreement. It's not like, you know, I'm walking into the situation unprepared. That's probably why, I mean, like. Yeah, they got the drop on you. They got the drop on me, you know. Like, it, it's not like. I was ready to get fucking robbed. You know, I was, right. it didn't even cross my mind until he had the gun in his hand. At that point, you're just like, Oh shit. Yeah. I, what well, do I do uh, here? You, you won. Okay. Did you, just did you, please do you don't remember, kill like, me. Do you remember praying at all? No, dude, I didn't pray because I was just thinking, all right, these people could kill me. My daughter. I was thinking about my daughter. You know, I was like, did, man, did you really? Wow. Yeah, well, I was thinking, like, I can't die right here because, look, if I hadn't had a kid, bro, it would have been on. I would have suicided to these, you know what I'm saying? But that's the thing. Like, if if they had, they did not know who they were messing with. But I'm I'm hamstrung, dude. I got a daughter back home. You can't be, there's no time for heroics, dude. You just got to give them the gun or give them the money. You can't, and you just, can't be hot-dogging out here, bro. Yeah, it's just like... No Ever place. since I had that daughter, I've had to be complicit yeah. in a bunch of robberies. Like, thanks a lot. <laughs> That's what it says in the in the uh, what you expect when you're expecting. If you it, get held it, up, you will have to follow the instructions of the. You assailant. will. Yes. You will be the guy in the movie who looks like a total bitch. You'll. <laughs> at least I didn't get on the ground and start crying and begging. Yeah, that would have made life. it better. Uh-huh. I have a daughter. <laughs> I have a daughter. Rob her instead. The thing is, yeah. I'll, I'll call no, my wife like, to come out here. Like you, she's got more money. I could be like Lot. Lot in the Bible. He was like, uh, take my daughters. They don't know me. <laughs> I, have two, I have two daughters. Please rape them. Just don't hurt us. Yeah. You remember that? Wait, that wasn't, was it Lot that did that? I thought it was just. Yeah, um, it was Lot, dude. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he's like. 
townspeople are like, yo, I heard you got some some handsome dudes in there. Send them out so that we may we may know them. And he's like, no, 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 not not these guests. But please, I have daughters. Take them. Yeah, that's never known a man. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah, but I think he was trying to do the right thing. You know? Well, yeah, they were <laughs> angels, duh. Yeah, <laughs> he had a feeling. I have a feeling these mysterious guests are angels, so rape my daughters, please. And that's, <laughs> you know, the main thing, I think the moral of that story is, don't go to Sodom and Gomorrah, which is yeah. what I'm doing as a pizza delivery driver. I'm really screwing up, you know? So, like, once again, if anybody's got a better job, Please contact me. <laughs> yeah. I'll do anything. Yeah, we need every. All right, on, for congregation prayer requests, we need Brad to find a better job. All right. Yeah. That's, that's the long it. and short of it. Yeah. Um, send us an email with job suggestions for Brad at churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com. Post, post them on our Facebook page. Join our Patreon, patreon.com slash churchandotherdrugs. And we'll see you next week.